Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So we're going to continue our Everyday Spirituality series today. Um, So we've done a few things so far. We've... um, in this series, we've looked at different habits that help us increase our awareness of God in the everyday, in the ordinary. So um, we've looked at here this sense of calling ourselves to be present, this practice of invocation, you know, turn up and be present and recognise God's present too, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, Chris looked at, oh, the practice of worship in the everyday, saying that worship is for everyone in many different ways, awakening to the goodness of God all around us. And last week I looked at thanks, uh, a sense of bringing thanksgiving into the ordinary. And um, you've all rushed out and bought little teapots, haven't you? Yeah. You have. So, um, so, yeah, just being aware of... You have to watch that because that's cryptic. So you have to go back and watch that if that doesn't make any sense to you. Um, all the talks are on YouTube. You can catch up if you've missed any. So far, we've been in what we talked about in week one. We've been in, what you could say, a season of simplicity. Often in life, uh, things are simple, things are straightforward, and these three practices here, Owen Thanks, are in a sense uh, quite simple, quite easy things to do. They fall in line with sometimes the simpler things of life. But in reality, we know that under the simple surface of most things, there are layers of complexity. And we've just heard about some of the complexities of life as people struggle in different seasons at different times. And our next habit today takes us into this next season of complexity. We're going to talk today about sorry. Sorry, the practice of confession. And the complexity we're coming into here is we come face to face with our own inconsistencies, our own failures and our own regrets and mistakes. And sorry, as a habit, it helps us to practice facing up to these things, practicing confession to God And therefore, growing through our failures, growing through our inconsistency and being strengthened by them rather than them actually uh, weakening us and uh, and sort of um, debilitating us. Do you remember the first time you deliberately did something wrong? Maybe you have an early childhood memory. You deliberately decided to do something wrong. I have a vivid memory of wanting to go to a place called the Cracker Hole. The Cracker Hole was a disused quarry at the end of our street. We were forbidden from going to the Cracker Hole because the Cracker Hole was full of water and therefore it was quite dangerous to children going there on their own. But one day, me and my friend Martin, who lived next door, decided we were going to sneak off to the Cracker Hole. I can hear, I can hear touch already. <laughs> Now, I was about eight, seven or eight at the time, and Martin was a similar age. And at that time, we spent a lot of time playing in each other's houses, playing outside in the street, having fun. And we figured we could sneak off to the cracker hole and get back before anybody noticed. It's about half a mile away. So, um, so uh, I waited until my mum wasn't particularly looking my direction, and Martin checked the same, and we snuck off to the cracker hole. And we got there, and we were enjoying the freedom of being at this forbidden place and throwing stones in the water and just enjoying being there. And suddenly, over the horizon, two figures appeared. <laughs> one was my mum, and one was Martin's mum. 
And with the shouts of, you wait till I get you home, ringing in our ears, <laughs> we legged it from the cracker hole back to our respective houses. Is this ringing any bells for anybody? <laughs> now, the first thing you're tempted to do when you do something wrong is to hide it or hide yourself, isn't it? You want to hide. Uh, so I decided I was going to hide from my mum, and if I hid long enough, she would calm down and she'd forget all about the cracker hole and things would be fine. Now, we lived in quite a small council terrace at the time, and there weren't many places I could think to hide, so I sort of ran around thinking, where am I going to hide? And suddenly I realised that being extremely skinny, I know it's hard to believe now, but extremely skinny... I could hide between the base of the bed and the mattress. <laughs> yeah, that's how skinny I was, okay? So I, I got between the mattress on my bed and the base of the bed and lay there like a starfish, <laughs> trying to hold my breath. And I heard my mum come back into the house and I heard her calling my name and I heard her searching and searching. And she came into my bedroom and she had a look around, holding my breath. Nothing. Off she went again, came back, more shouting, more calling. And eventually, it all subsided. And I thought, great, just need to wait here a little bit longer until everything's calmed down. Well, I waited about an hour between the mattress and the bed. And eventually, I, I slid out and I went downstairs and I found my mum. My mum was so relieved that I was okay, she forgot all about the cracker hole. <laughs> it had worked. My plan to hide had worked. So when we do something wrong, our first instinct is to hide. It's to hide. It's to hide the thing we think we've got wrong, or it's to hide ourselves. One of the most profound icebreaker questions I ever heard in a, a small group was, where did you hide as a child? Where do you hide as an adult? And so for many of us, we can think about places we would hide as a kid, for me, in between the mattress and the bed. Where do I hide as an adult when I feel the shame of failure or getting something wrong, making a mistake? Because we can all hide in all sorts of ways. We hide ourselves often in plain sight, don't we? I can hide by projecting a persona of me that I think you'll like, hiding my real self. I can hide by diverting attention away from myself by using sarcasm or banter or humour. I can project onto somebody else. I can hide by criticising or judging. I can hide by disassociating myself from bits of me I don't like and pretending they don't exist. I can hide by pretending or lying. And I can hide by withdrawing from people. So in many ways, as adults, we can hide, and often we hide in plain sight. I started following Jesus in my early 20s, so I had a fair bit of life experience before then. Fair bit of life experience. And that all came with me into my Christian journey. So when I first became a follower of Jesus, I joined a, a church community, and, uh, and I quickly learned that you did some things, you didn't do other things, and some things maybe I've been doing, I couldn't carry on doing and maybe some things I've been doing weren't helpful, or maybe they weren't good for my Christian walk. No one kind of gave me a list, but I kind of picked up, you know, maybe some things I wouldn't do anymore and some things I'd start to do. Now, I think some of these choices I made were good ones, and some of the choices I did 
were bad ones. I threw all my CD collection away, because I thought that would be a good thing to do. That was a bad decision. But anyway, as a new Christian, I felt kind of clean. I felt kind of fresh. I felt like I'd been through a, a God car wash. Yeah? And I'd come out, and I felt kind of shiny and clean, and that was a good feeling. I felt fresh. Um, but then I messed up. I had poop on my freshly clean God car. I did something that I knew God wouldn't approve of. Ever, ever been there? Ever done anything you think God wouldn't approve of or maybe isn't pleased by? Now, don't worry, it wasn't a massive thing. It was just something I felt, for me, I felt like I blotted my copybook uh, with God. I was no longer clean and fresh. I didn't have the same feeling anymore. So what do I do now? What do I do now? No one had actually told me what to do when I had poop on my new God car. No one had told me that. So what do I do? So do I tell my Christian friends that I've messed up? Well, if I did, they'd be quite disappointed with me because literally, you know, we washed the car last week and you've gone and pooped on it and, you know, we're a bit disappointed in you. You know, you're supposed to be following Jesus, you know. So I thought maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe I don't tell my Christian friends. Maybe I go and tell my old non-Christian friends. But then I thought if I tell them, they're just going to go to me, ha-ha, we knew it wasn't real. We knew it was just the same old Simon doing the same old stuff. So, um, so maybe I wouldn't tell them because they'd just laugh at me. Maybe I'd go and tell God. That's a good idea. I'll go and tell God. But if I told God, I'm guessing he'd be quite angry at me because he's just said, look, I've just cleaned you up, washed you down, made you fresh, and straight away you've gone and got messy again. Surely God would be disappointed in me, maybe even a bit angry at me that I'd dirtied my new God car so quickly. What to do then with the shame I felt? What to do with the sense of failure that I felt so I know I'll do I'll just hide it I'll hide it and I'll carry on as normal nothing to see here nothing to see here you know no mistakes here no failures here I'll just hide it sound familiar sound familiar often as Christians We're not really taught how to process failure, how to process the inconsistencies that we all carry, the mistakes that we make. And so we develop a shame-hide cycle within our Christian walk because of maybe some of the reasons I've just listed, to cope with our mistakes and our failures and our inconsistencies. In the past three weeks, we've looked at these principles around what we class as the simplicity of life, but life does get complex Life does get complex, and our idealism and our reality sometimes conflict with each other. And if we're to face the complexity of life, we need to develop habits that will help us deal with our own inconsistencies and our own failures. And the practice of sorry can really help us with this, really help us, the practice of confession. The author C.S. Lewis used to ask people, he used to say, what's the most significant conversation you have every day? And most people will respond piously with a correct Christian answer. Your conversation with God, of course. And Lewis would say, no. It's your conversation you have with yourself before you speak to God. Because in that conversation with yourself, you decide whether you're going to be honest and authentic with God or whether you're going to meet God with a false face, a mask, an act, a pretense. 
The practice of saying sorry brings us out of hiding, brings us into a place of meeting with God. And it acknowledges the gap between our idealism and the reality of the complexity of life and our inconsistencies as human beings. I want to show you a film clip now from a film called The Big Kahuna. It's a, a quite an old film. It's a, Big Kahuna is a, a Hawaiian term for a big cheese, a big top dog, a CEO. And this film is about some salesmen trying to land a deal. They work for a company that sells industrial lubricants. They're trying to sell this to this other company. They're trying to land this big deal. So they go on this kind of marketing trip. And Danny DeVito plays a guy called Phil Cooper. And Phil's a marketing representative for this company. And he's trying to land this big deal with this other company. And Phil's far from perfect. But he's learned to acknowledge the truth about himself over time. He's learned to come to terms with his own inconsistencies. He's learned to keep connected the reality and the the idealism. He's brought the two together. And so he's quite an authentic character. There's another character in the film called Bob Walker. Bob Walker's from the company's research department, and he's arrogantly and naively religious. Bob sees himself as a righteous man, as a free man, free of all flaws. But Phil sees Bob differently. Let's, uh, let's watch the clip. You too are an honest man, Bob. I believe that. Somewhere down deep inside of you is something that strives to be honest. The question that you have to ask yourself is, has it touched the whole of my life? What does that mean? That means that you preaching Jesus is no different than Larry or anybody else preaching lubricants. It doesn't matter whether you're selling Jesus or Buddha or civil rights, or how to make money in real estate with no money down. That doesn't make you a human being. It makes you a marketing rep. If you want to talk to somebody honestly, as a human being, ask him about his kids. Find out what his dreams are. Just to find out, for no other reason. Because as soon as you lay your hands on a conversation, to steer it, It's not a conversation anymore. It's a pitch. And you're not a human being. You're a marketing rep. Oh, forgive me if I respectfully disagree. We were talking before about character you were asking me about. Character. And we were speaking of faces. But the question is much deeper than that. The question is, do you have any character at all? And if you want my honest opinion, Bob, you do not. For the simple reason that you don't regret anything yet. You're saying I won't have any character unless I do something I regret? No, Bob. I'm saying you've already done plenty of things to regret. You just don't know what they are. It's when you discover them. When you see the folly in something you've done and you wish that you had it to do over. But you know you can't because it's too late. 
So you pick that thing up and you carry it with you to remind you that life goes on. The world will spin without you. You really don't matter in the end. Then you will attain character. Because honesty will reach out from inside and tattoo itself all across your face. Until that day, however, you cannot expect to go beyond a certain point. May I go now? Go ahead. Honesty will reach out and tattoo itself all over your face. See, Phil's not perfect. He's far from perfect, but he's trying to reconcile the inconsistencies in his life with the reality of his life and the person he tries to project. And being vulnerable, wearing honesty like he talks about there, it's not easy. We worry that people will judge us for our flaws, our inconsistencies, our mistakes. Much easier to project a persona that we think people will like, we think people will accept. We live in a culture that undermines our confidence and constantly tells us we're not good enough, that we need to be something different, something better, something more. And as followers of Jesus, our fear of failure is compounded because of what we've talked about. We live in a, we're in a community where we should be doing better. We should be behaving ourselves. We should be more consistent. The church isn't always a place that breeds honesty and vulnerability. So the simple word sorry, the practice of confession on a regular basis can really help us deal with our humanity and our inconsistency. We all carry things that we regret. But the key is to carry those things that we regret into the presence of God. And to be reconciled with God. Through the love of God. Rather than hiding those failures and fears down inside. Because that's our habit. Our habit is to hide our fears and failures. And so we're looking at putting a new, a new habit in place. A new habit of the practice of confession the practice of bringing those things we're uncomfortable with into the presence of God and learn to process them in the presence of God with the love and the grace of God. Acknowledging our weaknesses, acknowledging our uh, inconsistencies, because as Phil says in the film, we can't go beyond that which we're not prepared to recognise within ourselves. So through our confession of sorry, we say... God, I'm not going to hide anything from you. Because that is futile in itself, isn't it? Because God sees everything anyway. So even the idea we could hide parts of our lives from God is a futile idea. But through the practice of confession and the habit of confession and sorry, we say to God, I'm not going to hide those things from you. I'm going to bring those things into your presence on a regular basis. I'm going to keep short accounts with you. I'm going to keep bringing myself into the light. In the second letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul writes uh, these words. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. 
Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So Paul had planted this church in Corinth and he'd moved on his missionary journeys and some problems had developed in this church. And so he wrote his first letter to the church. There you can find this as 1 Corinthians in your Bible. He writes his first letter to address some of the problems there. But that letter isn't gratefully received by that church. And many of the people in the church, they regret They reject Paul's letter, they reject the teaching in the letter, and essentially they reject Paul. So Paul turns up in person and makes what he describes in this letter as a painful visit to the church. He turns up to try and redress some of the things that are going on. And following that personal visit, the people in the church see the error of their ways and they decide to try and reconcile with Paul. And so Paul writes this second letter to the Corinthians, two Corinthians in your Bible, to actually tell the people there of his love and continued commitment for them. And he says these interesting words. He says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Let's unpack what Paul means by these words here. So, we all mess up. Anyone not messed up in the room? Good. Okay, so we all... We all universally mess up, don't we? We do stuff that we're not proud of. We do stuff we know God isn't pleased with. We do stuff that hurts other people. We do stuff we'd rather hide and forget. And Paul says there's two possible things to do at this point, once we've messed up as followers of Jesus. We can come to God or we can hide from God. We've got two possible routes to go down. So we see in the story of Adam and Eve, don't we? Adam and Eve, they mess up in the Garden of Eden. What's the first thing they do? They hide. They hide from God. And the story says that God's walking in the garden. Where are you guys? And we we hid from you because we we messed up and we felt shame. So there's this temptation whenever we mess up to hide from God, to retreat from God, to retreat from other people. So we have what's called a threshold point in our thinking, a choice point in our direction. Because both of these choices have consequences Paul tells us we come to God and Paul says that sorry bringing our confession to God will change us he uses the word repentance repentance there is the word metanoia in the Greek it means to change your mind to change your direction so coming to God with our failure with our mess up gives the opportunity for us to change our direction and be changed have our minds changed and our characters changed again back to the big kahuna that character there had, had no understanding of his flaws and his insights, so therefore no character change was taking place within it. But actually, if we do confess, then that brings change within our character. We're changed, we're reformed, we're reshaped in the presence of God. It's like we put ourselves back on the potter's wheel. We say, God, will you, will you reform me? Will you reshape me? I'm, I'm giving this opportunity to you. You might have had somebody who said sorry to you in the past, but you felt like the words were kind of cheap and didn't have any kind of action or conviction behind them. Well, Paul says godly sorrow does have action attached to it. It does have repentance. It does have change connected with it. So when we come with godly sorrow 
and we bring our sorry to God, the opportunities for the reforming and the reshaping of who we are. And so we come out at the end of this process a better person because of godly sorrow. But if we hide our mistakes, then it's shame that changes us, not sorry. We'd start to develop the fruit of keeping our failures to ourselves. We feel guilty, we feel fearful, we feel insecure, we feel disassociated from ourselves. We start to project a persona we think people will like, hiding the real us inside, and we feel disconnected from God and possibly disconnected from people. Paul concludes by saying that godly sorrow leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. So a process of bringing sorrow to God and going through and processing our failures with God means you come at the other end in a place of safety. The word here for salvation is to be rescued. It's to be rescued. And so we come into a place of, of encountering God's love and restoration and rescue as we're vulnerable before God. So sorry saves us. Sorry saves us as people. It expresses our need of God and allows God into our failure, our mistakes. Conversely, shame kills us. Shame kills us because it's like the death of a thousand cuts. We carry that guilt and that fear and that insecurity around with us and it begins to weigh on us and change us and crush us. And we disqualify ourselves more and more as people. Because we're faced with our own faith and our own inconsistencies and we back off from God and we back off from others and we cut ourselves off from the very help that we need. The good news is, is that we can break out of that one cycle at any point. We can break out of that shame cycle at any point with the help of God and with the help of people around us. It just takes a moment of vulnerability. It takes a moment of vulnerability before God and maybe before a trusted friend to say, I need help. I need help. Can you help me? And bring us, bring us back into the presence of God. So I'm going to quickly sum up for you guys today. The practice of sorry will help you and help me keep good, healthy accounts with God. Confession might seem like an old-fashioned thing, but actually that practice of coming before God and saying, God, I'm sorry, you know, for a, for a small thing, for a bigger thing, that practice of coming into God's presence, allow him to meet you in your failure, meet you in your inconsistency. We're all going to mess up. You've messed up this week in some way. And we're not called to carry guilt and shame around us. We carry that mess up into God's presence. He knows our inconsistencies. He knows our failures. And if we practice confession in the small things, we're much more likely to be able to practice confession in the bigger things. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.